The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. Your day in court is a great show with two renowned lawyers that can help you if you find yourself in some sort of legal hot water. We'll introduce you to them, and we're going to get to Young Thug. Have you heard about him? He is a rapper from Atlanta that has gotten himself in all sorts of trouble. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to find his way out of it, unless he has great representation, like from Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice. If somebody needs to get a hold of you, maybe not for gang violence, but uh, but for something else, Bruce, how might they do Well, that? there is somebody in this room they could contact if there's a gang okay. violence charge. That right. would be Ray Judice, but um, for me, it's more just violence caused by drivers. I handle personal injury cases. Bruce Hagen, great to be here today. Uh, Hagen-law.com is the website, H-A-G-E-N. Uh, you can call me anytime, 404-202-2233. Uh, check out our website. We've got a ton of information. And if you're calling me because you are a, somebody who is accused of gang violence, I will give you Ray <laughs> Judice's phone number, exactly. which he will do right now. That's right. For all those gangs out there in Milton and Johns Creek and Roswell. I'm telling you, the, the rough the gangs streets. of Roswell. Bad Although, streets. You know, we, we had our first street right. racing right. intersection takedown. And, uh, uh, but in, our, in Roswell, That's they wrote right. 75 citations right. and arrested people they did it and right. took their car. Peachtree Corners as well. Yep. Anyway, 404-964-4185. That is my cell number. Ray at RayGLaw.com is my email. My office is in downtown Roswell, 404-554-8800. Rapidly, as of June 4th, approaching (laughs) the conclusion of 37 years in the practice of law, and the the bar license will still be active into the 38th year. I don't know if y'all have heard of Jeffrey Williams before, but the New York Times is reporting that the lawyer for Jeffrey Williams, a.k.a. A young thug who has been arrested along with uh, 25 others for participating in street gang related crimes and they've tied him to the young slime life street gang. First of all, let me just say that if anybody listening doesn't think that gang violence uh, is at the root cause of the enormous amount of violence in metro Atlanta and cities throughout the country, that's where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And so the assistant district or district attorney uh, Willis says that it's 80% of the Atlanta that's crimes right. is tied to gang, and it may be that, but it's pretty close to it. And these gangs are getting more violent. They're more organized. Technology has allowed them uh, to expand their reach. They become just addicted to using TikTok and other social media to both communicate and to also recruit younger and younger members of the gang. Ten years ago, I uh, was lead counsel in a 10-member Bloods gang triple homicide. Uh, interestingly enough, Mr. Brian Steele, who is representing Jeffrey Lamar Williams, was, was had one of the co-defendants in that case. He's a fantastic lawyer. And I think it goes without saying that we should start this segment with the first thing that everyone in this room agrees 
young thug, Mr. Williams, has the absolute and total presumption of innocence. He has been indicted and arrested, but he has not been convicted of anything. Mm, correct. Uh, an indictment, an 88-page indictment, that sounds like, oh, my goodness, if the DA can come up with 88 pages, that must mean something. I've seen 88 pages indictment. It's dismissed, okay? Yeah. And that happens. So it's 88 pages of almost the same charge as multiple co-defendants. So don't let the weight of that sound, oh, my goodness, it, it must that means guilty. It doesn't. It just means that the district attorney's office, in a closed, secretive, sealed grand jury, put up only the evidence they want. Mr. Williams and his counsel were not in that grand jury room. They didn't get to put up any evidence, cross-examine any witnesses, take a look at all this alleged social media evidence that the district attorney says she's going to use in the case. So, presumption of innocence, not guilty, and he is represented by fantastic counsel. Yeah, I want to bring up this one point that was kind of confusing today is, uh, you know, look at the paper and read about this. And, you know, the district attorney, uh, Fonnie Willis, is claiming that this is a huge victory for them to get these indictments. And, you know, I'm reading that and, you know, I understand it's an important matter to them. But how do you call this a victory as a prosecutor just to get indictments? Like if you can't get indictments as a prosecutor, you don't have a case. There's no victory there. It just means there's no facts to support anything. So, you know, a victory for a district attorney comes, I would think, when you get a conviction or a guilty plea. Not to hail we've arrested and charged. Have you ever seen that before? I can't recall seeing them declare this as a victory. Well, anybody who's, who's studied for the Georgia Bar examination has had an evidence lecture by a gentleman by the name of Faust Rossi. He is the Irving Younger chair at Cornell University. Irving Younger is the absolute godfather of evidence. He passed away many years ago. I had the opportunity to have dinner many times with Mr. Rossi. And he says, you know, I can indict a ham sandwich. Mm -hmm. I might not be able to convict it, but I can indict a ham sandwich. And so that's really important for the listeners to understand. There's 25 or 26 co-defendants. I'll assure you that not all 25 and 26 of those are going to wind up with convictions out of this. This RICO statute, many folks want to know what it is, and it was really created at the federal level many decades ago to come after the mafia, okay, and and the, and the organized drug dealers. And it allows the prosecution to say, well, you know, you might have a business, the laundry business or a construction business. <laughs> I'm just sort of going by an ethnic, <laughs> sure. something I see. Boy, talk about perpetuating stereotypes. I, mean, I know, little, right, or a waste management business in New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> and I've never committed a crime. I've never handled any of that, never touched any drugs, never sold any drugs. Mm-hmm. But I am, you know, the head of this corporation, and, and we waste, we do waste management and sell drugs on the side and beat up a few people, and you know, and but it's more than that. It's about all of the prostitution and the uh, human trafficking and the drug dealing, and so it allows the feds to throw a wide net. You don't really have to have left your fingerprints on on the gun to be convicted under the RICO statute. Yeah, so they've uh, accused, he's accused of being leader of a gang, giving orders, a founder of the uh, the YSL, and then a key to a 2015 murder case that, uh, that they're apparently trying to tie him to. So, uh, I mean, that's just a few of the things that have thrown out there as part of this indictment. Does any of that sound um, that peculiar? Or does all that kind of add up to what you've seen in the past? Yeah, I mean, it seems like this is the... The modus operandi and and how guys are prosecuted, linking together these these events, and you know to what extent um, is there influence and control and organized activity uh, as opposed to just you know 
guys talking, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and they're difficult cases to prosecute. There's a challenging, they're difficult to defend. They're, they're difficult cases all around. This well-intentioned law that's on the books creates real practical problems when you have your day in court because from the standpoint of trying to prove something you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, um, yeah, there's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of people who might be included here in this indictment that are um, perhaps willing to take a chance by testifying against some of these other folks. Um, if there really is a gang activity, they're no doubt putting their lives in jeopardy by um, being willing to step sure. out against the gang. But it happens. I mean, you know, when you get right down to it, um, that old saying, you know, all politics are local. Um, when, when suddenly it's like, hey, look, I understand there's a code. I understand that uh, snitches get stitches, but you're facing 25 years in jail, young man. And um, your way out of that is to cooperate and testify against some of these others. Well, somebody's going to hear that and say, I'm going to speak and sing like a bird and and I'll move somewhere else and uh, avoid uh, for, for the next 25 years or rest of my life rather than sit in a jail cell. And that's right. The, the Just like the feds do, you work your way up from the bottom. You take the, the 15 or 16 or 17-year-old kid uh, who, whose family may not have the money to really get top-notch uh, defense, okay? And instead of him doing 30 years in prison, uh, you convince the family and a good lawyer, you make an offer. You know, he's got, but he's got a role. He's got to talk, and he's going to put his life in his hands. The allegation is that this gang is an affiliate of the of the National Bloods organization, and they are everywhere, folks. They are in your community. I assure you, they're everywhere, and they can reach you everywhere, just like the old mafia could. Uh, may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, uh, but they can shoot up a house. They know how to do that, and they're good at it. Uh, so it's a real problem defending these cases because it depends on, of course, which judge this case is assigned to. I'm sure of the 20 Superior Court judges in Fulton County, each one of them is saying, oh, please, please, the Wheel of Fortune, don't send don't me, me draw, a 25 right? Right. co-defend. Because so, so I was involved. I was a lead counsel for Mr. J- uh, Jonathan Aletta who was a young man from the Bronx, New York, who was sent by the the Bloods to Atlanta to be their gunman. And long story short, we had 10 co-defendants. It was in front of uh, Judge Bedford. And uh, we had to use the ceremonial courtroom. We had to have a special metal detector outside the door. The families of the different co-defendants had to sit apart from each other. We had undercover officers in the courtroom for five weeks. Uh, It was crazy. And uh, this one smells just like that. There's going to be a lot of money. I will assure you that money is flowing right now to make sure every co-defendant has good legal counsel. Yeah, I know uh, my dad used to defend cases like this up in New York, and um, he would talk to people uh, that weren't accused of anything yet, but he's like, I know you're up to something dirty. <laughs> uh, and, and and his advice then would be, look, when you get caught, when you get caught, he said, he says, either we're going to go all the way to trial or you need to be the first one to talk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because if yeah. you're going to roll over, you want to roll over when Quick. it matters and, and when the prosecution uh, needs it. Because after the first person does, they just they don't, don't need you, you anymore. Yeah, That's right. maybe one or two into yeah. the organization to co- confirm things, but sure. Uh, one of the other things that I've seen in these cases is the prosecution's use of what, they, of what the prosecution and law enforcement will allege is gang membership. So everybody's wearing a, a St. Louis Cardinals baseball hat in some picture. Uh, they're all got the same colors. I mean, that's kind of a really important thing to a lot of gangs. Do they have a blue handkerchief or a red handkerchief or mm-hmm. a bandana is really or a hoodie? What color and how do they wear it? I mean, it's I have a copy of what is called the Bloods Gang Bible. 
I assure you, they are very organized. And I said to, to my client during the trial, I said, you know, I spent a lot of time with John. I'm like, you know, if you'd used your your intelligence and your organizational skills uh, for good, and, and yeah, you you know, you'd be practicing law or running a major corporation. The kid, young man was in, extremely intelligent. Uh, so it's wow. an interesting story. And he actually wrote a book that you can get on uh, eBay. Yeah, we, we, I, we could get into a whole different discussion on the things that motivate kids and, and people mm-hmm. to get involved in gangs yeah. in the mm-hmm. first place. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a different story for a different day. Goodness right. gracious, but it is all frightening for sure. When we come back on your day in court, a Connecticut man has been convicted of murder on the 2015 killing of his wife. And the case was partly built on evidence provided by her Fitbit exercise activity tracker. We'll talk about it next with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice next on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to Your Day in Court with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. And one of them happens to be a TV celebrity. He is uh, filming and has filmed this past week a, uh, a new episode of his, it's called Fatal Attraction. Fatal right? Attraction. It's on TV One. Uh, and uh, I filmed one, or uh, I was the legal commentator yeah. uh, about two months ago on a murder that happened up in the state of Wisconsin, Love Triangle, you know, a little salaciousness. And uh, I was shocked at first, but I, I overcame it and was able to make commentary. <laughs> you were able to gather and, yourself. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, it remains to be seen how much of me, uh, my time is going to be on the cutting room floor, which is a which is a term of art in the, in the yeah, industry. Yeah, of course it is. I have no idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> and it should be shown sometime in June. And uh, we're going to film another one today, and then they've, they've emailed me all the materials about a homicide um, in Florida, and I'm going to get 
study in this afternoon. I'll be ready to go with my blue suit on. Goodness gracious. The I nice thing is that Ray, Ray's studying. Uh, you know, he, he could just show up and do this. Yeah. I mean, some people are just natural. <laughs> just drop out of the job. And- like Lou Pinnell, get up Sunday, Christmas yeah. morning, and hit yeah. a base hit. You That's know, it. Right? That's exactly right. That's All right. right. I, I will say I got a $300 check. Which I think is the, like the SAG minimum, the yeah, Street right. Actors right, Guild. Yeah, yeah. I haven't cashed it. I'm thinking about framing it, but it is the first time of okay. all the years of doing radio and television. I actually got paid to do it. Yeah, you had to join SAG. Then, <laughs> I right? didn't have to join. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I think they can. I think they've changed the rules okay. on that. You have to. But I also can get, believe it or not, residuals. I was told it would be a check. Uh, once a year for about sixty-eight cents. That, that, you know, well, these <laughs> days you can deposit the check and still keep it. So, oh, that's um, right. Figure that's that out. Get, have a millennial <laughs> in your kind office. Of scan show thing, you right? That's right it, there on your phone. And then go ahead and frame it. Thank the you check. very well, much. And and look, <laughs> you so, owe me half of your three hundred. <laughs> that's exactly right. But Bruce, you're always over on our sister station, the fan, and talking about sports. So you, that that's your lane, right? Being able to uh, talk about the sports topics. You know, whatever it is, whatever Chuck Oliver, Matt Chernoff throw at me, I'm happy to answer any any given time. Yesterday he had a question about um, defaults on mortgages and, uh, you know, evictions and that right. sort of thing. So it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, you know, Ray and I have been doing this for so long that we know enough to talk for a few minutes. And I don't want to say be dangerous, but give you a pretty yeah. accurate answer. And we also know the things we don't know. And we refer uh, to a lawyer who does. That's right. how I answered Whoa. a bar exam question. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the topic. So I identified the issue, which is the first paragraph, and then I said, I will then take this client and send him to one of the specialist <laughs> lawyer. So I said, I'm, right. I'm sending a message to the bar examiner. Yeah. At least I'm not going to commit malpractice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that, exactly. And that was the first time Ray took the bar exam. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm two for two now. I passed in two states. <laughs> there twice. you go. Yep, yep. But no, but you have the hot sports takes all the time. Hot and sports takes. They never let me quite get to that. And, and that's maybe disappointing. We'll do that on it's this because show. they're worried about you showing them off. You're right. Disappointing. You're right. I, I told them they can come on this show, and I'm happy to let them talk about their their input on the law but you know yeah, as right, i like to right. say yeah, we can do right. most of what they do they can do none of what we do see there is that there is that legally they couldn't do what <laughs> yeah, you do also be, well, uh, yeah we'll let them hide behind that <laughs> <laughs> right so there's a uh, case out of connecticut that was just decided this week a man was convicted on tuesday of murder uh and it was a 2015 killing of his wife the case partly built around evidence provided by a fitbit they found uh richard debate guilty of all three charges murder tampering with evidence and making false statements to authorities the murder trial charge carries up to 60 years in prison going to be sentenced bruce on 16th of september this is an interesting and fascinating thing because basically he said he was tied up and his wife was killed but during the time frame when they went back and looked at it she was actually moving her fitbit tracker was moving when he said she had actually been killed yeah and this is a case i've been following since i first heard about it seven years ago because I do a lot of representation of bicyclists and athletes in general, especially competitive athletes, are known to really track their movements using these sports tracking devices, right? So Fitbit is one of them, but there are plenty of others. There are programs you can put, apps you can put on your phone that will track your movements. Strava is one, for example. And most iPhones even have this capability. But with the Fitbit and a lot of the sports trackers, they're giving so much information, including your pulse. Uh, you know, so so it's measuring your heart rate. It's measuring your movements within a very tight uh, area. So you know, we're in a small studio now. If I were wearing one of these devices and moved from one corner to the other, that movement is going to be detected. So here's so for my clients and potential clients, this is really important because it gives useful information of just what movements you were making prior to and at the time of a crash and so forth. But in this particular case. It was the Fitbit that provided the telling bit of evidence against this person who 
reported a crime saying that, hey, there's been a crime committed in my house and some uh, investigator just got this hunch, like, this doesn't seem right, asked for permission to take the Fitbit device from the person, got the uh, password the to be able to access yeah. the data, had it analyzed, and the analysis of the data showed that this is not somebody who's laying in their bed or who's tied up in one spot. This is somebody who is moving all about the house, heart rate severely elevated, and doing the things that ultimately led them to conclude staging what appears to be a murder scene, and then two hours later calling this in. So at the relevant time period, which they really pinned down with this um, the now convicted person's own testimony, they got they got a very clear picture of what he's saying his story was, completely contradicted by the Fitbit device. So the evidence that was used best against him is evidence from this tracking his own, device. His own device. Right. It, it's, it's just the idea that this could even happen uh, seems so futuristic, and yet every one of us potentially has a witness against us sitting right in our pocket. So when I first started, excuse me, prosecuting DUI cases in DeKalb County in 1985, there was the old Intoximeter 3000 machine. It was brand new cutting edge science. And it allegedly would take uh, air, long air, deep lung air, and be able to convert that to a breath test result that showed what's actually in your blood. Well, the criminal defense bar, you know, would just tear us up. Because back then, nobody had computers, or only a handful of few folks, and almost nobody on a jury. And, you know, the old expression, garbage in and garbage out. And most of the computer operators and the breath test machine operators weren't well-trained or certified. Well, you know, (laughs) that's changed. Everybody on a jury now, if you try a case of any type without some use of technology, even if it's, you know, enhanced photographs of the injuries and of the property damage and of the scene from, you know, the global satellite that shows the intersection. Uh, Bruce and I, I mean, I've done some auto accident cases and some vehicle homicide cases, and Bruce and I have spent in our early years many a Sunday morning at the intersection of the accident with our camera, taking our own pictures and taking them out to the CVS to get them blown up to, you know, poster size. That's all done. I mean, so the use of technology in trials and is expanding so rapidly that as defense counsel in this case brought up, hey, wait a second, this Fitbit thing, you know, it's just a mystery. No, it's not really true. It's just a bunch of nerds of, you know, trying to tell you that this is accurate. Well, the jury bought it because we have all gone so far and was just pointed out to me about your ability to actually keep the physical check and make a deposit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. But you were talking about the first segment about your, your SAG check. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I was born in 1958 when General Eisenhower was president. I'm doing the best I can to keep <laughs> up with all this stuff. Enjoy, right. Right. Well, what's really important for me as a lawyer, not to really understand or how to do it, but to know it's out there yeah. and to get the get the folks that can do it for me and explain it to a jury or present it to a jury. Because An expert witness, is that, is yeah, that what or, you mean? Well, just a technical help. Okay. I mean, it can be, and, and mm-hmm. you know, there are issues issues of what is admissible into evidence and what's not admissible into evidence. And and this is something that's cutting edge. And so who's your judge in a case like this, right? A 40-year-old judge who is perhaps Was more raised with and, this stuff. and yeah, has, has, has been brought up in that world might view these things differently than a 75-year-old judge who looks at it and it's, you know, it's like, I can't figure out what any of this stuff is. But what we're required to do is to provide authentication to verify the the validity of the information that's being presented. And the chain of custody. How did this evidence get from 
some camera or some computer and how is it reduced that's come here into the courtroom? Where has it been? Who's touched it? Just like a blood test. You know, the GBI blood test in a DUI case, the nurse, the phlebotomist has to sign. It has to be authorized. It's got to be transported to the GBI crime lab, put in a cooler, you know, then yeah. the GBI lab tester certifies it so it's called the chain of custody and the preservation of evidence so bruce in many of your personal injury cases one of the letters that you'll send out early is what a spoilation letter what does yes, that mean exactly it's, it's it's basically saying to the uh, party that has control of the evidence that we want you to preserve this and you're required to preserve it uh, so that we can examine it and potentially use it as proof of the claim. So let's say that somebody has a trip and fall in a grocery or a grocery store and you know there's cameras in the grocery sure, store and you, you send a letter to the grocery store saying preserve the video that you have and we know you have it from three different angles at least um, so that we can uh, analyze it, receive a copy of it, use it as need be. And if you fail to preserve this evidence, your failure to do so will be used against you and create a presumption that the information that would have been shown there would have been against your interests and in favor of ours. So so it does put a burden on whoever receives that. I'll give you an example. We just got retained uh, about two weeks ago. There was an incident, an incident in Midtown Atlanta on something called a pedal pub. It's 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 like oh, a yes. rolling right. trolley car that uh, customers sit on bar stools and pedal like they're pedaling a bicycle to propel this thing forward. And there's a driver operator yeah, of sure. it who controls the turning and the speed of the vehicle. But it's know, all it's, about it's, drinking as you're, yeah, you're pedaling. So, so it's like a rolling bar. You've probably seen these if you've been to places like Nashville, Nashville or New Orleans or yeah. Charleston. You know, you, you see these things. Well, Atlanta has them now. So being very Atlanta, the driver uh, <laughs> fails to take control of this thing. They go around a turn on 14th Street at West Peachtree. And he takes the turn too sharply, and it flips over onto its side. And so, you know, here's 15 people sitting on this thing, fully exposed. There's no doors on it. You're just kind of out in the open. And the driver uh, seems to be intoxicated, blows into one of these sophisticated devices to do a uh, breathalyzer, and his blood alcohol level is uh, 0.17, which would be more than twice the legal limit uh, if that's his actual blood alcohol level. So there's a DUI charge against the operator of this um, rolling pub, and we got retained on that. And so, that, so one of the first things we do is we send a letter out to the owner of it, preserve that vehicle, don't touch it, don't do any repairs. Um, we're sending somebody out there, and we've retained a expert accident reconstructionist who is going to go out there and examine the vehicle to see are there any mechanical defects were the brakes working properly is it has the vehicle been maintained can you some vehicles i doubt this one has it but some vehicles have the equivalent of what an airplane's black box on there and so you know we get control of that and so it becomes very important to gather this evidence in the case of the fitbit as at use of trial and we run into this in civil cases i'm certain it happened in a criminal prosecution like this, um, you very often have to get a, a witness from the company itself to describe how the data is gathered, how it's stored, how it's transmitted to the or from the device back to the record-keeping aspect of the device and verify that it's done you know, to a legal standard so that there, there are enough, what do you call it, indicia of reliability that you can accept this into evidence. That must be a legal term because I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with it that It just one. means that it's reliable, yeah, you know, gotcha. and, and, and not just something they're pulling out of the sky. Yeah, I mean, in other words, a judge is going to have a, usually a, a hearing separate outside the presence of the jury before this evidence would be introduced to the jury, as Bruce says, to at least meet 
a reasonably high hurdle of accuracy. It doesn't mean that a thorough and sifting cross-examination by opposing counsel may not break some of that down. But there's got to be at least, as Bruce says, an indicia of reliability. Uh, now, these things become, as time goes by, almost self-authenticating as the courts become used to it. I mean, there's we use text messages and emails now in court. Uh, nobody even bats an eye pretty much that it's accurate, that this is the time stamp. I mean, who's, you know, who's buttercup Sally? Yeah, you know? right. who's email I mean, address yeah, you're we looking can at? Yeah, figure all this stuff sure. out. And maybe 10 years ago, judges were like, what, email, what, who, you know? I'm, there's a famous, if you've ever seen it, I think it was on the Today Show. 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, with yeah, Brian Gumbel. There's something called the internet, and they're yeah, just right. laughing and yeah, laughing, right, right, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and an example of what Ray is talking about are Google images and Google Earth images. You know, um, you still have to authenticate that the image you are presenting um, was taken at the time that it's claimed to be taken. But if you look back, Google has a feature on there that it'll date stamp when the photograph of a road was taken. And so... Um, Courts are to the point of accepting that just like it's any other um, book or learned treatise. It's almost shifting the burden to the other side. To that, prove that to it's con- not To, to prove that it's not. So here's because- an example where we use that technology recently. We have a case um, against a city over a sidewalk that was uh, heaved upward. So it was, like, it was heaved up like three and a half, four inches, creating a trip hazard. And somebody came around and tripped and got badly hurt. Well... A big issue in a case like that is how long has the hazard existed and has it been there long enough that the city should have had notice of this and and are deemed to have knowledge because something has existed for such a long period of time that they are, are considered to be on notice that this hazard existed. And so we used Google Earth images to show going back three and a half years, you could see it in exactly the same condition, you know, raised up about three and a half, four inches. And the city's own parks and rec people who are responsible for this area and the sidewalk say, yeah, I see that. And that's a trip hazard. And that, that's something that should have been repaired. It's like, well, Bruce, that's some good lorian, boy. <laughs> yeah. Good job, so, at, at this point, let me just say, I hope the Court of Appeals agrees with you. Well, <laughs> that, yeah. the issue is at the Court of Appeals but, I mean, right you now. did everything you could using technology for your client. And if I was on the other side of that, I'd say... Man, didn't somebody want to fix this thing? You know, and and of course, uh, you know, again. So every lawyer out there, when you go into their office, bring those text messages and emails, even the ones that may hurt the case. Let's find out about them before we walk into the courtroom. Uh, as Bruce knows, there's nothing worse than uh, having your client on the witness stand and they say, "No, I've never, I've never had an injury to my C3, C4 lumbar before," and. No, I feel I was riding a horse, you know, health and running marathons. And, of course, then on cross-examination, the insurance company lawyers who have unlimited resources, just like most of the prosecution. They own everything in the world. And they'll find that MRI you had 12 years ago that says you've got a herniated disc and and then put it up on the big board. You you need surgery. (laughs) And stop running marathons. And the flip side of it is true. The ones who say, ever since this injury, I haven't been able to do anything. And there's the video of you uh, you doing backflips off of cliffs in Mexico. But here's the worst part of that. 20 years ago, You had to advise your client on an injury case. Now, if there's a white panel van parked across the street from your house, okay? Like in every movie. Yeah, yeah, and nobody's coming in and out of it. Don't shoot baskets in your driveway. Don't change the oil to your car. Don't, don't, you know, come out of it. Maybe just stay inside. Yeah, stay inside. Close the blinds. Now, 
clients are doing this to themselves on social you media. Know, on social media, you know, uh, they they're down in Miami drinking, you know, having a cocktail at the beach, and at the same time they're saying, "Oh, my back, I can't walk," or "I'm, I'm emotional distress." I mean, it's it's brutal to have to beat your own clients up <laughs> and warn them up front. You can't do this. We have the social media talk right at the start of every case, and and it's a tough one. Um, and and yes, the same thing. Clients who are concerned, are they going to send surveillance out and have, you know have a private investigator? No, you're going to do it to yourself. They don't need to spend the money right. anymore. Right. You're going to give them everything they need. <laughs> we had a client. Oh gosh, this guy just so aggravating. Who who again? He was one of those like you know this crash. I couldn't do anything afterwards. Well, what he failed to tell us was that he and his brother were um, actually filming a reality TV show of their adventure travel around the world of, of doing you know kayaking down whitewater rafting and uh the, the cliff the, the, the yeah. backflip off cliffs i mentioned yeah that was real that's a real thing and and <laughs> and so you know it's like we find this out as much as we have to research our own clients but we find out from opposing counsels like hey look you don't want to take this case to trial this guy is so full of it and and you know we we learned this information, and I, I tell you, I, you know, maybe we ought to reconsider that settlement offer that we rejected, uh, and and that you made me look like such a fool. And uh, we told them how much money we were after. I said, I think that offer looks a lot more reasonable now. Now that we know, uh, but people just there there some people who are incapable of being honest with their lawyers, and and you know, it always comes back to bite them. You know, so. Ray and I have to it, it be as skeptical of our own clients frequently as we are of the other side. And even a small thing like uh, past criminal history and traffic tickets, uh, you know, I have to be very cautious or, or guarded with my clients when they say, no, I've never had one before. Or, I've got a clean record. And usually they mean in the last 12 months here in, the, here in Metro Atlanta, I don't have a ticket. Uh, what folks don't remember or know or realize is that back in the old days, I had tractor trailer drivers who would come to my office with you know, they had five different licenses, seven different licenses. Well, which one should I surrender? You know, after mm. after 9-11 and, and Homeland Security tied all the computers to all the computers, man. So a prosecutor in the city of Atlanta traffic court, municipal court, can get on his or her computer and with their investigator find out that you had a DUI in Wisconsin in 1984. If, as long as that was put into the, into the computer, and there are some communities, usually it's small towns that have traffic courts or night courts that didn't scan things but nowadays you can find everybody's record yeah and, you know it's interesting because the uh you, you mentioned appearing on sports talk radio which yeah, i do sure, uh, sure. on a regular Absolutely. basis on our sister station 680 and one of the things we talked about yesterday was this uh former woman professional wrestler who went by the name of sunny who has some problems uh that are pretty significant at this point because she killed somebody while she was behind the wheel of okay, a car i saw the story um, yeah. and uh is now charged with felony vehicular homicide and eight other accounts and she apparently has had six other DUIs. Oh my. Um, and so the question came up was like, how is somebody like that still driving? And well, the answer is that one of those other nine charges she's facing is for driving on a suspended license. She's not supposed to be driving. You know, mm. all the state can do is take away your privileges. Right. They don't they take away your keys That's and they right. don't take away the keys. And, and someone who's darned and determined to do this is yeah. not worried about their driving privilege. Now, I will take one thing, though. You did bring up women's wrestling. And I do want to say that I am old enough to have seen the fabulous moolah. No. At the city of White Plains, New York Armory, in about 1970, and so she funny. put a she put a whoop on was that, somebody. Was that Glow wrestling? No, it was, or was way before. Well, 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 before yeah. Glow. Glow was like early 80s. Yeah. There, there's a fantastic movie. It's called Lipstick and Dynamite, and it's about 
uh, the fabulous moolah in her 70s and three of her women wrestlers that basically piled into a car at the at every day and drove to another small town or a county fair and commenced to beat the you know what out of each yeah. other got back in a car went down to the hotel had dinner drove to the next town yeah and it's in so, black and white and it's fantastic it's so funny you say that because about the same time frame uh i went to see the fabulous moolah wrestle <laughs> at the asbury park new jersey armory because uh, it was over the summer and we were down uh, down at the jersey shore uh and and they had crazy luke graham on the ticket and Chief J. Strongbow and Bruno Sammartino. Uh, Bruno Sammartino was yeah. on the ticket. It, it was Dr. just, Fuji just and the great Tanaka. wrestlers of the day. Yeah. Uh, and that and was it, Vince McMahon's father who ran wrestling in the Northeast back in the 60s and 70s. Right, which turned Vince McMahon right. is uh, right. obviously owns yeah. the WWE. Yeah. And but that was well before the glow. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I think if you saw Fabulous Moolah up close, it would be a pretty frightening prospect. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, she was great. And they also they they had the... Uh, can you say that no, no, little, little people wrestling? People, yeah, uh, well, they had, <laughs> people smaller than us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, which is still a thing. Yeah. Believe it or not, this is still a but, thing. And they would be tag teams. Yeah. A, a friend of mine sent me pictures from down in Jacksonville, Florida, where they went to a wrestling performance just like that, and it was at like a an armory or a high school gym yeah. or something like that. It's, yeah. it's it's insane. I feel like we've gotten a little off track Maybe here. Maybe so. Okay. We'll, we'll reel okay. it back in. You brought up the topic now. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. You can't bring up the moolah and expect nobody to go and talk about it. Especially Fabulous you're in the yeah, right, and you're in the uh, the southeast where NWA and and WCW and. Ted Turner and and you know Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Gordon and so Saturday mornings absolutely right. monsoon exactly right <laughs> let's keep the uh, the topic on technology and and how that does get people in trouble kind of like the case that we just talked about and what you can do to better situate yourself by not sharing quite as much as maybe you do now we will discuss that next on your day in court here on extra 1063. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. 
Welcome back. Your day in court with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. When we finished up the last segment, we were talking about technology and how people use it and and try to become either famous or they're they're starved for attention and they have to have likes and they have to post everything from the vacation they went on, which is probably not a good idea because that means you're not home. And people could yeah could go to your house and and take advantage of you not being at home. Or um, you talked about the privacy settings that uh, that people set up, and when people come into your office, that's the first thing you do is tell them, make sure you have all the privacy settings set up, and I'm sure you all know how to do that, so walk them through that. Right, and so, you know, the, again, you're going to give the insurance company all the evidence they need against you to minimize your claim, and part of it is just showing you living your life. You know, they, they you're going to want to establish that I was injured and I suffered as a result of this. And when you, you know, who shows them lying in bed recovering or unable to go to a concert on social media? They don't show that. They no. show themselves dancing, of course. Out, you know, out at the concert and jumping up and down. And and all of that comes back to be used against you to minimize your claim. And so we just tell people, look, just let your friends and followers know that you appreciate their concern. You're, you've been injured, you're recovering. And uh, thank you for your concern. And don't say another word and stay off of it. You know, and it's, it's for some people, it's impossible for them to do. Um, I, I had a client who um, was a professor at a college, um, but he also on weekends was a bike racer and, and he, he raced competitively and he was just about to turn 50, which means he was entering a new age group of the you know, 50 to 54, uh, age teach group. those 54 and, and, and so, yeah, so, so he, this was going to be his year to <laughs> yeah, shine. shine right? Right. And so we were just to the point that, I mean, this guy was badly hurt, uh, but he was also in great shape. So that helps you recover faster. We were just to the point of beginning our negotiations with the trucking company that, that caused him these terrible injuries. And here I'm looking at his Facebook page. There's a picture of him in second place on a podium, having just you know competed in a race the weekend before. And I call him up. I said, "What are you doing?" We talked about this. He goes, "Oh, I know, but you know, before my injury, I used to beat that guy by like three to five minutes every yeah, single race. Now it. he's beating me." I said, "Dude, nobody cares. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, it, nobody's going to understand right. or, or care when it comes down. Oh, that and, makes perfect and, sense. And how that impacts the case is, of course, the insurance adjuster and the insurance defense lawyer are ha ha on it up. But what it really translates is to you may have 12 jurors who not one of the 12 are in any near uh, that physical condition, okay, of, of, of health right. and being able to cycle. And you're trying to convince somebody who maybe, you know, has arthritis. Uh, who suffers on a daily basis, who did have low back surgery or has a, a partner that's gone through some pain, real pain and suffering, and said, wait a second, I wish I was that guy, you know, yeah, in the stretchy yeah. pants on the yeah. podium, okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we're not going to give him, you know, X million dollars that Mr. Hagen wants a third of. That's crazy. Even, <laughs> even if he's owed, even if he deserves it. Yeah. Right, right. It diminishes the case. So uh, in my world, one of the problems that I have a lot, um, young people. Young men, let's take from age 15 to 25, they get charged with a crime. Maybe it's a little bit of a serious crime. And in the arresting process and the search warrant process, law enforcement seizes their phone. Maybe it's got a lock on it. Maybe it doesn't. One of the things I tell, I ask my clients in the privacy of my office is, okay, what are we going to find in that phone? Are we going to find some text communications about this particular offense? Like, hey, man, I'll meet you at the back of the of the store and we'll I'll sell you the weed. OK, bring bring four hundred dollars. Am I going to find pictures of 
your girlfriends who are less than 16 with their shirt off. Yeah. Because that's child porn in this state. Right, right. Okay? And I need to know that kind of stuff. Right, absolutely. I need to know it now. And sometimes I have to tell, ask the parents, like, you guys got to leave the room right now because he and I got to have a conversation. Uh, believe it or not, that happens. Uh, young people are in, in convincing, especially the boys. Every listener who's got a young girl out there, young lady, you got to have the talk with them. You cannot let these young boys induce them to do things on the cell phone that they or vice they, versa. It, yes, girls in time. I'm telling you, man. I, I'm I've not going to say it, it, I've uh, seen it both ways. Well, you're you're a parent of a of a young boy, a young man, and that's and I'm not. But what I'm what I see in my sure. office, no, I get it. Is the I get other it. Side. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for because, sure, because it it comes from a a crime. Yeah. That right. maybe I can manage, mm-hmm. but then it becomes unmanageable. It's yeah. a, new, a new set and, of problems. And you haven't had a case with a 19-year-old female accused of child pornography for having right. pictures right. of a 15-year-old sure male right. naked That's right. on her phone. That's right. Yeah. And, and yet the opposite seems to occur all too frequently. Um, getting back to this issue of um, social media and the message you put out to the world after something's happened to you, the, the case I use as an example is Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan, the actor, comedian, star of... 30 Rock, Saturday Night Live. He's yeah, great. He's incredible. brilliant. He's hysterically funny. But he was in a terrible crash years back with a Walmart truck. That that Walmart truck caused a crash, killed somebody in his group, caused, for what we knew, extremely serious injuries with brain damage to Tracy Morgan. And Tracy Morgan had an excellent lawyer who I call the best lawyer in America, not in this room currently, um, hmm. because you didn't hear a word from Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan didn't make any he public appearances. Silent. He was completely silent. No, no, He's got an enormous follow on social media. You did not hear a word from Tracy Morgan other than that through his spokespeople how seriously injured Tracy Morgan was. Tracy Morgan reached a confidential settlement with Walmart a couple of years later, and that next day, there's video of Tracy Morgan opening up fire hydrants for kids in Harlem in the summer, having fun out on the street. Tracy Morgan shows up a month or so later as host of Saturday Night Live. Um, Tracy Morgan doesn't, he's not the same. He's, he's in trouble. He's, he's impaired. But Tracy Morgan kept his mouth shut at the advice of his counsel for two years. Got to sell it to the point that now his wife, he jokes around that his wife thinks his job is getting hit by Walmart trucks. <laughs> right. And she so says, get a new we're check. running out of money, sweetheart. Go out and get run over by a Walmart truck yeah. again today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, two crazy. quick things. Uh, his counsel not only advised his client very well, but may have used what I call my helper Donna duct tape. Yeah. You know, both figuratively yeah. and literally. Yeah. You know, I'm shut. I'm tape, duct taping your mouth shut. Uh, now, uh, he may have had a traumatic brain injury, and, and it's nothing to make light of, you know, if you're if you're a smart person and you're at 140 IQ and you shave off six or seven IQ points, you're still going to probably function pretty well. But Bruce and I have both represented individuals who, you know, they're just regular folks. And if you lose a few performance IQ points, all of a sudden you can't do your job and you can't drive a car properly. So it is a big deal. So he may have, and and Bruce is making light of it and using his example, and it's a great example, but uh, no one would want what Mr. Morgan went through and um, whatever the confidential settlement is, it's, you know, it sort of allows him to at least make a joke of it. No question about it. As we wrap up here on your day in court. In closing, if someone needs help, if they've gotten themselves in legal hot water or a legal situation, 
Bruce, how do they find you? How do they get a hold of you so you can help them? Easy to get a hold of me. Um, Bruce at Hagen-Law.com is the email. You can check out our website, which has a ton of great information on there, Hagen-Law.com. Including things about technology. Yeah, oh, I did a whole blog on this, and um, I, I am the published author of a book on um, personal injury cases. Uh, and this was a whole chapter we put in the book a couple years ago, specifically uh, prompted by this case we talked about in Connecticut. Um, you can also call me, 404 202 2233. Happy to answer any questions you have. And uh, if you do need help with a personal injury case, happy to help with that as well. Right. Once a week, I'm reminded of how boring and shallow my life is when I hear about all the things that Bruce right. Bruce does. He's very fascinating. He really, is. he does a lot awesome of stuff, guy. man. Awesome guy. <laughs> Thank really you. Uh, 404-964-4185. I will answer my phone. That's one of the things I do do. And I like to talk. I like to talk to clients and see if we can help them or get them in the right direction. And sometimes tell them they don't have a case. You know what? There's something to that. I'm mean, Bruce, you've done it too. I'd love to represent you, but you don't have a case. Go talk to two more lawyers before you give up. But it's good to know and not spend a lot of time and energy. And waste. Can, yeah, yeah. And, and move on. Sometimes you just got to move on. There you go. That does it for us. Y'all make it a great weekend. This is your day in court. If you ever miss an episode and want to catch up, you can listen to them on the Extra 106.3 app. Download that free just by searching XTRA 106.3 wherever you get your apps or on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for Your Day in Court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.